0: This is the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security. For May 15th, 2020. We discuss how iCloud backups are encrypted and who can access them. Some governments are raising issues with Apple and Google's proposed COVID contact tracing technology, plus North Korean malware and a Thunderbolt vulnerability. Now, here are the hosts of the Intego Mac Podcast, veteran Mac journalist Kirk McElhern and Intego's chief security analyst, Josh Long.
1: Hey, Josh, how are you today? I'm doing well. How are you, Kirk? I'm doing good. You know, I was just realizing that for the first time, I will be able to attend Apple's Worldwide Developers Conference this year. Oh, yeah. I guess, actually, I will,
2: too. It's all online
1: this year. It is. Well, you could have attended more easily than me, because it's just a few minutes away from where you live, if I understand correctly. They do it in San Francisco, right? Uh,
2: Well, yeah, I I suppose that's true. Okay, an
1: hour away. Yeah. Um, But it's local. You wouldn't have to pay for a hotel or an airplane or anything. You'd have to pay for a ticket. You'd have to get a ticket in the lottery. But they're doing it all online. And, you know, I know discussing with friends um, in recent years... Um, In the past five or six or eight years, the WWDC has turned into a huge thing. And there's, I don't know, a million developer accounts, people around the world, and it's a lottery and people don't get to go. And a lot of people have been saying that they should do something different. They should make it online so people don't have to spend all that money to go. And there are a lot of people who go regularly who who are disappointed because it's a great networking experience. They get to meet people and, you know, talk face-to-face with Apple engineers. But I think they'll get a lot of attention um, from developers for this new version.
2: Yeah, so they announced finally that it's going to be on June 22nd. We knew it was going to be in June, so now we have a date. Um, So that's definitely something to look forward to. If you've ever been a programmer on the Mac or you want to learn how to write software for Mac or iOS, this is a a great great event, great opportunity to uh, really dig in and find out in real time, what the developers are finding out about the next Apple operating
1: systems. Now, obviously, there's always a keynote with a presentation in front of, I don't know, it looks like 1,500, 2,000 people in the Moscone Center. And they're not going to be able to do that this year. And I wonder how, what sort of presentation, you know, this is a 90-minute, two-hour presentation, new products. Mm-hmm. Um, how are they going to make this as as much of an event as they have in the past?
2: Well, I mean, one thing that they could do, I don't know if they will, would be to still have the whole stage presentation thing. Um, I mean, because really behind the scenes, you can have your employees uh, you know select just the employees you need behind the scenes and their social distancing, because you really normally only have one person on a stage at a time. And if you've got to have some other person trading off, you know, you just... Have them not walk up to each other and grab the, the clicker or whatever. Just have
1: someone else with the clicker. You know, there's there's different ways you could do that. Or or hand someone the clicker with some sanitary wipes to clean it off, <laughs> to set a good example. Or, or I'm thinking that Apple's going to do something totally different, and it's going to be something shot in their campus um, with, like, drone footage and people in different offices. Remember the Craig Federighi thing when he was demonstrating the cursor on the iPad Pro recently? Uh, You could see out the big glass windows from his office. I'm thinking they're going to do something like that. And what's interesting is it doesn't have to be live. Mm -hmm. They can film everything in advance and edit it together. So they don't have the pressure of getting everything done so it fits and so it synchronizes. Let's say Tim is going to be live, and then they'll just cut to a recording of something. And I, I look forward to it, actually, to see what Apple's going to do, how they're going to do this. They usually do have some non live elements, like a pre record sure. thing.
2: Uh, well, they don't have Johnny Ive anymore, but they used to, you know, whenever uh, some new product was launching, they'd have Johnny Ive talk in his, you know, very sophisticated sounding, you know, British voice uh, to talk about the aluminium and all this of their new products. So they, you know, so, so they, they could
1: do something like, like that. They've done that in the past. I wonder if they've hired some real director to do a film, to to organize the whole thing. It would be really interesting if they said, I don't know, they got like Martin Scorsese to do the keynote presentation. Well, why not? I mean, they've got this whole Apple TV Plus thing where they're
2: hiring all these, you know, fancy, expensive directors and actors and all that. So why not?
1: Good point. Okay. Um, So let's get to the news. There's a lot of news this week, a a lot of little bits of news. Um, The FBI serves a warrant on a senator in investigation of stock sales linked to coronavirus. Um, This is interesting because a number of senators apparently received a briefing about the coronavirus several months ago and then dumped a lot of stocks or even bought some. And who is this? This is Senator Richard Burr of North Carolina, the chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee turned over his phone to FBI agents after they served a search warrant on him. So interestingly, that search warrant also includes Apple, and Apple is going to provide the FBI with data from his encrypted iCloud account? How does that work?
2: Yeah. So, well, there there there's certain things that are not actually encrypted in iCloud um, or are not encrypted in such a way that Apple can't get to them. Um, we, we've actually talked about this before. And apparently this is something that a lot of people just don't know, but um, not everything in your iCloud account is necessarily inaccessible to uh, to Apple employees. So the main thing that we know that Apple has access to is your backups. Um, and they they have this access um, just because of the way that uh, your data backs up to iCloud. And, and Apple actually has has toyed with the idea of making it stored in such a way that no Apple employee can access it. Um, but uh, because of pressure over you know, things like the San Bernardino shooting, they kind of decided that um, they better just leave it as is. And so Apple does have access to your iCloud backups. I guess the thing is here, if if you're really concerned about your privacy in, in iCloud, you can actually decide. Which things you want backed up to iCloud or not. You don't have necessarily have to have everything backed up to iCloud. If you prefer, you can back up your iPhone or your iPad or iPod Touch to your Mac instead. And, uh, you know, and that way you don't have to rely on iCloud. There's a number of advantages to this, actually. One is that you can back up everything as opposed to only being able to back up certain settings and not necessarily the whole thing. Um, there are certain settings, uh usually things related to encryption and privacy that don't go to iCloud if you're, you're only backing up to iCloud. Um, so you do get some additional advantages of backing up directly to a computer as well. But this is Obviously, a big thing if if you if you think you might have something that you don't want other people to find out about you through a a, a you know court order, search warrant, or something like that. Um, just don't back up to iCloud.
1: I'm going to link to a an Apple document, legal process guidelines, government and law enforcement within the United States, and section three points out that um, section three G iCloud, and it talks about what is in iCloud, and iCloud also enables subscribers to back up their iOS devices to iCloud. It says, all iCloud content stored by Apple is encrypted at the location of the server. When third-party vendors use to store data, Apple never gives them the keys. Apple retains the encryption keys in its U.S. data centers. Yep, there you go. So while it is technically end-to-end encryption, and we discussed this some time ago, it's encrypted between your computer or your iPhone and the server. They yeah. have the key for certain information. And this um, this document goes a little bit further explaining exactly what sort of information they can give. But don't think that your data is definitely encrypted on iCloud so if you're planning to do any insider trading, maybe don't save emails about it in your iCloud backups. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe don't do insider trading too. <laughs> well, that's a good way to start. So contact tracing, we talked about this recently, COVID-19 contact tracing apps. Um, some governments are doomed to fail and some governments are complaining, whether it be countries or states, that they don't want to follow the rules that Apple and Google have set up regarding privacy and they want to roll their own. And some of them are sort of complaining and they're unhappy that Apple won't give them access to things that, well, they shouldn't have access to.
2: Right. Yeah. This is, you know, it's one of those things that because these people are not technologists who are running these governments and these programs and and trying to decide, oh, we're going to do this or that. Um, they're not the people who are actually going to be trying to develop these solutions. And when they actually get somebody to start writing this software, they quickly come to realize, oh, we don't have like direct access to certain things in the operating system that Apple has access to. And it's actually kind of similar even on uh, on uh, Google's Android platform as well. Um, not Maybe not to the same degree. You can get a lot of access Uh, to the Android operating system, basic functionality that Apple doesn't necessarily allow on iOS. But Apple and Google are both kind of under fire from several government agencies, whether it's a state uh, uh, government in the United States or a country that is trying to do their own thing. And they're realizing that when they're developing these apps, they don't necessarily have full access to, for example, Bluetooth, that they think that they should in order to have their own contact tracing app be very effective. And so it's the kind of thing like, uh, you know, if you really want to have your own app, you would either need full background access all the time, um, which, uh, you know, Apple is not going to easily make available to just everybody because, you know, obviously there are privacy concerns. And so this is one of those things where uh, there, somebody may have, have good intentions, they aren't really going about this in, in the right way. And because of privacy, because Apple is trying to protect your privacy, they're not just letting every old app do these things that uh, that these COVID-19 tracking apps are
1: trying to do. Yeah, what's important here is that there be a compatibility in the way this works between uh, iOS and Android. That's one of the most important things, because if only iPhone users can use this, or if only Android users can use this, that's not very effective. Um, And again, the privacy issues are such that uh, at least Apple, we know that Apple cares more about privacy, but Google is uh, being privacy conscious here, I think. They don't want to be collecting user information and data for something like a pandemic and then have people come back to them and say, well, why did you collect this information? So they're being really, you know, upfront and clear. We're not collecting anything. And it's really important that, uh, you know, these people in the different states and countries think they know better. I think as much as I don't like to trust tech companies with my life, I think this is a case where we can trust Apple and Google. Um, to do the right thing. Well, and actually,
2: you know, a really big advantage of letting Apple and Google do this this whole contract tracing thing themselves is that they've had so much scrutiny and so much pressure from everybody, government agencies and, and uh, citizens alike, um, to make sure that all their stuff is private, that they just – have this as part of their general thinking. Now they don't have to uh, figure out, you know, Oh, what encryption do we need? What uh, privacy standards do we need? Because this is how they're thinking already. And the difference here is like, you know, if you've got a government agency, they just want (laughs) to grab as much as they can by default. Right. And so if they're having to, uh, Especially, again, when you're talking about politicians and developers, generally, those are not the same thing. They don't usually overlap. You don't usually have, <laughs> you know, yeah. developers who become politicians. That It can happen, but it's not very common.
1: Yeah.
2: And And so you've got these politicians who are trying to decide, oh, yeah, we're going to do our own thing and it's going to be better. We don't want to trust Apple and Google, but they don't get how things have to work in behind the scenes and uh and apple and google do get it at least and they're being cautious because
1: they don't want another scandal okay we're going to take a break and when we come back we have north korean malware and a thunderbolt vulnerability
0: if you or someone you know has got a new macbook or imac or switched to the mac from windows be sure to check out intigo's new mac user center It's a one-stop collection of the things you'll need to know about using your Mac. Intego's new Mac User Center covers plenty of the basics to get you running smoothly and smartly in no time. Of course, one of the first steps you'll want to take is to install Mac security software from Intego to keep yourself protected. And right now, Intego Mac Podcast listeners can get 40% savings on Intego software, including Mac Premium Bundle X9, Mac Premium Bundle X9 is a suite of terrific Intego software that includes the antivirus, anti-phishing, and anti-spyware protection of Intego Virus Barrier, home and hotspot firewall security from Intego Net Barrier, parental controls for peace of mind from Intego Content Barrier, and much more to help protect, secure, and organize your Mac. Download the free trial of Mac Premium Bundle X9 from intego.com today and then use the promo code podcast 20 at checkout to save 40%. That's podcast 20 to save 40% on complete Mac protection and security with Intego's Mac Premium Bundle X9. Intego, devoted to protecting Apple products since 1997. Visit intego.com
1: today. Okay, so we've got some interesting malware from North Korea. A group called the Lazarus Group, do you think the North Koreans actually came up with that name, the Lazarus Group? Uh, they've infected a, a real two-factor authentication app to compromise Macs. How is this possible? Do we have to worry? Do I have to turn off my iPhone and never log into anything again?
2: Uh, no, it's not quite that bad. <laughs> Good. Um, so... Basically the the essence of this is that um the Lazarus group has done this before they've uh, w- one of the ways that they've operated in the past is uh, for on on when it comes to Mac apps anyway is that they've uh, put out these fake cryptocurrency related apps and uh, you know they set up a a, a company They develop some software and they contact all these people who, you know, review cryptocurrency software and they say, oh, yeah, try our new app. And it turns out that uh, the company that made the app is actually apparently a government agency that is trying to hack people's systems. Um, In this particular case, what they decided to do was uh, to make a compromised version of a one time password app. A lot of password managers have something like this built in. Um, Kirk, I know you use 1Password. um, And uh, there's also apps like Google Authenticator, for example. uh, And Microsoft has its own Authenticator app. There's lots of these
1: applications where you can do a one-time password. We even have an article on the Indigo Mac Security blog. I'll link to it in the show notes. Yep. And it, basically the w- the way that this works is that um
2: there's there's a time synchronized thing where there's a rotating password so that um in addition to having to know your password you also have to have something in your possession that has This rotating password on it uh, as well. So, this is a something you know, which is your memorized password, and also a something you have, which is a device with this rotating one time password. Um, These are things that time out, you know, that you may have, say, 30 seconds to put in a particular code. And once that 30 second window passes, now you've got a new code that you would need to use instead. And so Mina OTP is one of uh, these one-time password apps. And there is a version of that app that has been compromised by uh, apparently the North Korean government. This particular Mina OTP app um, is very commonly used among Chinese users. And so now there's a a weaponized version of the app with the name Tinka OTP. And uh, this was uh, found recently on VirusTotal, which is a uh, a multi-engine scanning service. And so apparently somebody has been been doing some testing and trying to see if they could get this to uh, bypass all the antivirus companies.
1: So do we need to worry about this if we're not in China using Chinese apps or using cryptocurrency? Because in some ways, as we talk about malware recently, it seems like cryptocurrency is the new flash flare. Um, You you know, um, well, this particular attack. So this is not
2: uh, targeting cryptocurrency users, interestingly but it's uh, like before, it, it is a remote access Trojan. And so this is something where if you had this software installed, that would give whoever is controlling the uh behind the scenes, the, the system, uh, they'll have access to all of these people who have an infected computer and they can log into their computer remotely. But in terms of, you know, Is this something that your average person should be concerned about? I would say no. Um, This particular malware is not widespread. Um, And again, this was something that was found uh, on VirusTotal that doesn't, it, it could mean that it's out there and that somebody found this on their system and uploaded it and scanned it. Or it could just mean that the developers of this malware decided to, you know, see whether uh, it was going to be detected or not, and so they uploaded it perhaps as a test. Yeah, um, it could be either one, but um, you know, it, it doesn't look like this is something that's widespread in the wild, and so this particular. In this particular case, it's not something you need to worry about. But um, the, just the idea that apps like this can be trojanized is something that you should consider when you're downloading software from a website or uh you know or any place really. Generally, as we've said before, the safest place to get an app, if it's available in the Mac App Store or iOS App Store, of course, that's the place to get it. Um, on the Mac, obviously, there's a lot, a lot of other ways that you can get an app. You can go to the developer's website. You can go to something like Mac Update, uh, a, a website that uh, you know keeps track of, of the latest versions of all these apps and will give you a link. Um, but there are potential problems with going to a website like that, that you don't that you're not likely as likely to run into if you're downloading an app from the Mac App Store. There's just that additional layer of having a human and as as well as some algorithms on Apple's end that are analyzing these things before they get into the store that makes it a bit less likely that you're going to get infected with some malware uh, if you're downloading from the Mac App Store.
1: Okay, Um, in other news, and this pretty much affects anyone who has a Mac since 2011. A security researcher found seven vulnerabilities in Intel's Thunderbolt chips and nine ways to exploit them. And I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, you know, the world's going to end here, that anyone can get into my Mac and they can get my data even if File Vault is active. Um, what's going on? Do I need to worry? And can you just answer the question quickly? This requires physical access, right?
2: Yeah, no, this completely okay. requires physical access. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, and that makes sense. When we're talking about Thunderbolt, this is not a technology that is like directly connected to the web. It doesn't really have anything to do with your web browsing or email or anything like that. Um, Thunderbolt, of course, is a technology that is built into, uh, well, as you say, every Mac for, uh, for many, many years now. This particular set of vulnerabilities goes back to Macs from 2011 or newer. Uh, and, uh, Thunderbolt now you may not know that you have Thunderbolt on a recent Mac because you don't have, uh, the classic Thunderbolt ports anymore. Your USB-C port is also a Thunderbolt port. And so uh, and and remember, USB-C is that tiny little USB port that uh, you can plug things in the same way upside and and downside uh, (laughs) as USB probably should have been all these years. Uh, And it's a little bit smaller and sort of circular shaped. That port um, handles USB, but it also handles um, Thunderbolt devices as well. But yes, you you need physical access to, to pull off any sort of attack. And so if you're careful, you don't leave your laptop lying around and, uh, you know, or in, in the case of a, a desktop Mac, you know, if you keep your office locked,
1: uh, you shouldn't really have too much to worry about here. Well, I think that would be the main threat vector would be the evil cleaning woman instead of the evil maid, right? Your business has a bunch of Macs and they're turned off at night, but there are people who are going to be cleaning, who are going in and out of the office. It's not like a laptop that maybe you're taking with you all the time.
2: Uh, Yeah. Um, I I mean, it's certainly possible that that somebody could – uh, infiltrate your your company and you know pretend to be part of the cleaning staff and and uh, there actually are companies that do something like this. I don't know if we've really mentioned it much before, but um, but there are black hat cleaners. <laughs> well, no, not not in particular, but um, but there are companies that will do a security audit. Um, of your, of your business. And so one of the things that they might do when they're doing this audit is to, uh, you know, see if they can get physical access to devices in, within your organization. And one of the ways that they might do that is to pretend to be a cleaning person, uh, you know, and they, they've, if they put on the right uh, jumpsuit and they've got their name, you know, on a little patch um, and they're carrying around some cleaning equipment, you know, you don't know. I mean, that that might be the person from the cleaning company who's subbing for somebody else who's out sick today. Or, or they could even get hired by the cleaning company. Yeah, they might be a new hire. Exactly. And so do you really know if, <laughs> if any particular person that you see uh, walking around in your building is should be there or not? People do tend to trust
1: people who are wearing a uniform. And uh, so that that's something to be aware of. So we don't really need to worry about this, but it's interesting how many vulnerabilities there are. Uh, Often we talk about a vulnerability, it's a single vulnerability, but here it's talking about inadequate firmware verification schemes, weak device authentication scheme, use of unauthenticated device metadata, downgrade attack using backwards compatibility. It sounds like this is just full of holes. Well, and there are several
2: things here that are mitigated by certain things that Apple is doing with the Mac operating system. Um, interestingly, what number seven on their list is no Thunderbolt security on bootcamp. And so. It turns out you're actually a lot more vulnerable if you are rebooting your Mac into Windows. If you've actually got Windows installed uh, on a separate partition, which is what uh, Apple calls boot camp, you have much less security. In fact, as they say, no Thunderbolt security on boot camp. And so um, you might be in really big trouble if you're just using your Mac as a Windows machine and you're not really even using Mac OS at all. But, um, but the Mac OS does have some mitigations that should help keep you protected from at least some of these, uh, parts of the attack chain or some of these types of attacks. And, um, again, it re- does require physical access. And so if, if you're careful and you keep your computer away from other people and, uh, you know, keep it in
1: your sight generally, um, you shouldn't have too much to worry about and as you've said many times in the past if someone gets physical access to your computer all bets are off well right exactly if 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 somebody really
2: wants to target you and they can get physical access to one of your devices no matter what device it is eventually they will get some way into it
1: because you get unlimited tries when you have access to the hardware yeah right? Yeah, unlike an iPhone where after a number of tries of a passcode it gets slower and slower and then after 10 it locks. Um there's nothing like that on a Mac. Interesting, why don't they do that on a Mac? It's not as common of course, but maybe there should be something like that. Well, and also
2: there are bypasses even for an iPhone, you know, there are ways that you could you know, clone the contents of your device and then, you know, try repeatedly to break into that clone and then you've still got the original. So, um, you know, regardless of what type of device, basically the, the general rule and the thing to remember is if someone has physical access to your device, all bets are off. They can have unlimited tries and they will eventually get your data if they
1: really, really want to. Okay, that's enough for this week. We'll be back next week with some more interesting news. Josh, stay secure. All right, stay secure.
0: Thanks for listening to the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, with your hosts, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. To get every weekly episode, be sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts or in your favorite podcast app. And if you can, leave a rating, a like, or a review.